0: Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. While some people were speaking about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings, Jesus said, All that you see here, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. Then they asked him, Teacher, when will this happen? And what sign will there be when all these things are about to happen? He answered, See that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has come. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for such things must happen first, but it will not immediately be the end. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues from place to place, and awesome sights and mighty signs will come from the sky the Gospel of the Lord. So I said at the beginning of Mass, today is the feast day of blessed Padre Miguel Pro. Um, just a real quick word about him that I want to talk about the first reading. He was, he was an amazing uh, priest and he was a martyr. If you heard me preach this past weekend, I said that he was, his martyrdom was the first martyrdom ever caught on film. So it was during the uh, the beginning of the 20th century, the Cristero War that erupted in Mexico. The communist government persecuting the church in a severe way. Anyway, he was a he was a priest, and he did all these crazy things where he would like he would wear disguises, he would dress up as um, like government officials, and he would go into like government occupied buildings, pretending to be in, that he was sent there to interrogate the Christian prisoners. And what he was doing was in fact like. During their confession, bringing them communion. He was anointing them. He heard, he heard some weddings. You know. Like It was just an amazing thing. He was eventually caught. He was uh, interrogated and eventually executed. He stretched out his arms in a cruciform, and he, he cried out, Viva Cristo Rey, right before he died. Long live Christ the King. So powerful. Look him up. That's your homework today. Look up Padre Miguel Pro. It's a pretty amazing story. What I want to reflect on this morning here briefly, though, is the uh, the first reading. The first reading. It's pretty awesome and powerful that the church has us contemplating the book of Daniel uh, in these final days, right before we uh, click into Advent, before this uh, liturgical year comes to a close. Right? Advent is the time where we are reflecting on the advents, the comings of Christ, right? That's this, That liturgical season is about reflecting on Christ's comings. That's what the word advent means, right? Adventus, the arrival, the coming, usually, of a king. Okay, so but what's the significance of Daniel? Why are we reflecting on Daniel? Because Daniel is one of the most important and, honestly, one of the most misunderstood books of the Old Testament. It, Daniel was considered... Um, By the early church fathers, the early Christians, to be the prophetic bridge between the Old and the New Testament. So when you look at some of the old, um, like, ancient manuscripts of the Old Testament, the way that they would order the books was significant. It was telling of how they were kind of implicitly viewing the theology that was contained in them, right? So in a lot of the ancient manuscripts, Daniel was listed as the last of the major prophets and as the last book of the Old Testament, so his was the definitive word, pointing to the Son of Man, pointing to the coming of the one who is like as Jesus says, one who is the Son of Man. In our modern Bibles, Daniel's kind of shifted into different places. He's we got the Book of Maccabees is the last book of the Old Testament. We can talk about that later. Anyway, so the scene that we have in uh, the first reading today, you have King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king. He puts he puts an almost impossible challenge before. Uh, the court. He calls forth the wise men, the sorcerers, the magicians, the enchanters, to not only interpret his dream, but to describe his dream for them. He, it's as if he's saying, I'm not even going to tell you the dream. I want you to tell me the dream, and then I want you to interpret it, because he wants to test their supernatural powers. It's like an impossible task, and you can imagine the wise men, the enchanters, the sorcerers, they all kind of balk at this, and they're like, ah, we don't, I don't think we're going to do that. And Nebuchadnezzar says, all right, well, you're all going to be executed. He's going to put them all to death. Daniel steps forward, intercedes for all these other people, says, my king, give me a moment. Let me pray. Let me discern, and I will tell you your dream, and I will tell you the interpretation. And he sees the dream. He has this vision of this massive metallic statue, right? The head is made out of gold. The chest and arms are made out of silver. The belly, the thighs, they're made out of bronze, and the legs and feet, they're made out of this mixture of iron and clay and these these different pieces these different metallic elements of the statue they represent different successive kingdoms or empires the first represent the gold represented the babylonians the second represented the persians who succeeded the babylonians and then comes the greeks who dis, who defeated the persians and then after the greeks comes the romans who defeated the greeks and after all of this right there's this stone that's cut by no human hand from a mountain that gets hurled at the statue, at the feet, at the Romans of the statue, crumbling the whole thing, everything turns to dust, and all of these former kingdoms, these massive, mighty empires, are swept away on the wind, which is a powerful image for us to pray about. So you have these successive images of these earthly empires that would come and go, and in the final age, in the time of the Romans, this definitive kingdom will be inaugurated the kingdom of the messiah this coincides perfectly with what is prophesied in Daniel 9 when Gabriel gives Daniel this image he says this messiah will come in what he called 70 weeks of years which is a weird way of describing a time period right 70 weeks of years 70 times 7 490 right if you do the math It's about exactly 490 years later that the coming of the Messiah, that Jesus is born. This is all powerful stuff. This explains why, at the time of Christ, there was such a fever pitch, this sort of messianic expectation. Because people knew the math, they knew the prophecies, they were counting down the days. They're like, okay, we had the Persians, we had the Greeks, now we got the Romans. It's about time that the statue crumbles. Is the King coming? Is the Messiah coming? And yes, he was pre-announced, he was foretold. This is why Herod acts with such ferocity when the wise men come to him. Like it's kind of bizarre, right? Like he just wipes out this village of infants. No, because he knew the prophecy. This is what the wise men, the men of the east, were paying attention to, the astrological signs, the rising of the star, the prophecy of Balaam, all of these things. They were looking at all of these texts, and they knew that the great king was coming. So here's the point, this is what I wanted to get to, that this whole season that we're about to embark upon, this season of Advent, again, it's not a fanciful, like, once upon a time, right, in a land far, far away, but it's a time of remembering that, like, this stuff happened in history. It happened in history to real people. There were real kingdoms, real events. And again, like, the gospel, the gospel happened in history, and the the gospel happens in history. In our history, in our story, like the gospel wants to touch your story today. wants to touch your life. If it's going to be real, if it's going to be effectual, if it's going to make a difference, we have to let it touch our history, our story. So let us open our hearts again to the beauty of our Jesus who comes to us in this Eucharist, in this Mass. Let us receive him deeply. Let him transform our story that it would touch the concreteness of our lives. Amen.